Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama All glories to the Sam of the Bodies, all glories to the Sam of the Bodies, all glories to the Sam of the Bodies, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Guranga, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Bhaktivedanta Swami Nityamani Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravadi Prachadani Nirvasesha Shunyavadi Pasrachadesha Tadani Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasani Gaur Bhaktivinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Reading from Srimad Bhavan Canto 10, Chapter 40, Verse 1. Sri Akura Uvacha, and Totsmahamd Vakila Hetu Hetum, Narayanam Purusham Adyam Avyayam. Yadnabi jatad aravinda koshada Brahma virasi yata esha lokaha
Sri Akura Uvacha. Sri Akura said, Nataha, bow down, Asmi, am, aham, I, Twa, to you, Akila, of all, Hetu, causes, Hetum, cause, Narayanam, Lord Narayana, Purusham, Supreme Person, Adyam, Original, Avyayam, Inexhaustible, Yat, From Whose, Nabi, Navel, Jatat, Which Was Generated, Aravinda, Of a Lotus Plant, Koshat, From the World, Brahma, Brahma, Avirasit, Appeared, Yattaha, from whom, Esha, this loka, world. Translation, Sri Akura said, I bow down to you, the cause of all causes, the original inexhaustible, supreme person, Narayana. From the world of the lotus, born from your navel, Brahma appeared, and by his agency, this universe has come into being. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, and its source, false ego, mahatattva, total material nature, and her source, the Supreme Lord's Purusha expansion, the mind, the senses, sense objects, and the senses presiding deities, all these causes of the cosmic manifestation are born from your transcendental body. The total material nature and these other elements of creation certainly cannot know you as you are, for they are manifested in the realm of dull matter. Since you are beyond the modes of nature, even Lord Brahma, who is bound up in these modes, does not know your true identity. God is transcendental to material nature. Unless we also transcend the limited consciousness of material existence, we cannot know him. Even the greatest living entity in the universe, Brahma, cannot understand the Supreme unless he comes to the platform of pure Krishna consciousness. Pure yogis worship you, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, by conceiving of you in the threefold form uh, comprising the living entities, material elements that constitute the living entities' bodies, and the controlling deities of those elements. Brahmanas who follow the regulations concerning the three sacred fires worship you by chanting mantras from the three Vedas and performing elaborate fire sacrifices for the various demigods who have many forms and names. Purport, Akura has now described how those who follow the paths of Sankhya, Yoga and the three Vedas worship the Supreme Lord in different ways in various places where the Vedas appear to recommend that one worship Indra, Varuna, and other demigods. These demigods are stated to be supreme, but at the same time the Vedas state that there is one supreme controller, the absolute truth, that is, Sri Krishna, the personality of God, and who expands his potency through material creation into the forms of the demigods. Thus, worship of the demigods goes to him through the indirect method of karmakanda or fruit of religious rituals. Ultimately, however, one who wants to achieve eternal perfection should worship the Lord directly. 
in full Krishna consciousness. In pursuit of spiritual knowledge, some persons pronounce all material activities and having thus become peaceful, perform the sacrifice of philosophic investigation to worship you, the original form of all knowledge. Report modern philosophers pursue knowledge without bothering to worship the Supreme Personality of God and thus they naturally end up with meager, if not trivial, results. And yet others, those whose intelligence is pure, follow the injunctions of Vaishnava scriptures promulgated by you. Absorbing their minds and thought of you, they worship you as the one Supreme Lord manifesting in multiple forms. Purport, the word, Samskrit uh, Atmanaha, they whose intelligence is pure is significant here, implies that the worshippers mentioned here have not completely, uh, before, have not, the mentioned before, have not completely purified their intelligence of material contamination and thus worship the Lord indirectly. Those who are purified, however, worship the Lord either as a Supreme Personality of God in Krishna or as one of his various plenary forms such as Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradumna, Anipuda, as indicated here. So here we have the prayers of Rakura and he is offering prayers to this form of Vishnu lying upon Ananta Shesha in the Jamuna River uh, who actually uh, manifested from Krishna and Balaram. Uh, so here Akura actually is worshipping this form uh, and uh, his prayers are actually, uh, he's describing this form of Vishnu who was lying there on Anantashesha. So therefore in his verse, uh, this first verse, he's identifying him as Narayanam, uh, Purusham Adyam Avyayam, uh, from whose uh, navel comes uh, uh, Brahma, uh, the lotus and then Brahma, which is technically would be Garbhodakshai Vishnu form. Uh, so, uh, in this way, Akura is offering uh, prayers directly to the Supreme Lord. And even though we can say that Krishna and Balaram are Ananta and Vishnu, uh, here Akura is uh, praising this form of Vishnu. Uh, rather than Krishna who's actually standing on the chariot with Balaram. <laughs> so uh, he is doing this with great reverence. And as we know, worshippers of Vishnu understand Vishnu as the creator of the material world. And particularly we see here, Garbhadakshai Vishnu gives birth to Brahma and then Brahma does the creation from the elements. So uh, uh, the, uh, this is one of the Purusha avatars. So the word Purusha here is used. Uh, uh, of course, it means Supreme Lord in general, but it also refers to the Purusha avatar forms. Uh, we have Mahavishnu, before the universe is created. We have Garbhadakshai Vishnu, who enters into each universe. And we have Kshirdakshai Vishnu, who within the universe expands himself into all the jivas in the material world. So they're all connected with material world, all these forms. So they're called the Purusha avatars. So in the um, Chaitanya Charitamrita there, uh, uh, there's a classification of different forms of the Lord, other than, of course, Krishna, the Supreme Lord. So we get the avatar forms. So one is the Purusha avatars. So these are the ones, forms of the Lord, involved in manifesting the material world. So we have these three. They're called the Purusha avatars.
We have guna avatars within the material world. Then we have Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma taking care of the gunas of the material world. Of course, uh, they are called avatars uh, in an indirect way as far as Shiva and uh, Brahma are concerned since uh, they are empowered by the Supreme Lord to do certain works. So in that sense, they are avatars even though generally Brahma is a jiva. Uh, and we don't class Shiva as the same as the Supreme Lord. But here they're called avatars uh, because they're empowered by the Supreme Lord. Uh, so we got the Purush avatars in charge of the uh, creation of the material world and its destruction. And then we got the Guna avatars in charge of the Gunas, Sattva Rajas Tamas. Uh, uh, and then we get the Leela avatars to uh, perform pastimes within the material world. We got uh, yuga avatars to particularly uh, uh, propagate uh, the dharma for satya yuga, treta yuga, dwarpa yuga and kali yuga 1000 times in each day of Brahma. Huh? So these avatars appear very often compared to the lila avatars. Huh? So we get 4000 uh, yuga avatars in one day of Brahma within each universe each day of Brahma. So that's a lot of avatar forms. Whereas the Leela avatars, maybe there's about 20 or 25 of them. And they appear once, twice, sometimes, three times in one day of Brahma. So much less. We have Manvantara avatars. So these are forms of the Lord that preside over one Manvantara period of 71 yuga cycles. They're something like the Leela avatars, but uh, and some of the Leela avatars are also Manvantara avatars. Um, the Vamana Dev is a Leela avatar, but he's also a Manvantara avatar for Vaivasvata Manvantara period. Uh, so he presides over this whole period of 71 yuga cycles, which is uh, uh, when uh, Manu and his descendants rule the earth. Uh, so uh, that's another type of uh, avatar. Huh? And then we have Shaktivash avatars, who are also technically not Supreme Lord, they're jivas with special powers like Narada and Prithu. Huh? So in this way we have different avatar forms, uh, uh, different forms of the Lord. Uh, and the Purusha avatars are uh, one of these forms. Uh, so usually we'll find that the Purusha avatars are appraised because uh, they are the first ones that manifest within the material world. We have Mahavishnu, then Garbhadakshaya Vishnu as described here and Shirodakshai Vishnu, and uh, they're obviously involved with the creation of the material world, and thus they illustrate great power of the Supreme Lord uh, to manifest and destroy the material world and witness everything in the material world. Uh, so they are often praised uh, uh, in the various verses of the uh, uh, devotees in, in Bhagavatam and other places. Uh, and uh, this Purusha is here addressed as the, the first Ajya. In the sense that everything comes from him within the material world. From Mahavishnu comes Garbhadakshya Vishnu, from Garbhadakshya Vishnu comes Brahma, from Brahma comes all the bodies for the living entities, etc., etc. Uh, and from Mahavishnu himself comes manifestation of all the material elements that creates the universes. Uh, so everything, and the jivas themselves come from Mahavishnu, so everything ultimately arises from him. Uh, and uh, within the universe then, uh, Brahma simply uh, gives bodies to the jivas and creates planetary systems for the jivas to live in. Uh, 
So uh, the Purusha avatar therefore is superior to the Guna avatars and others in, uh, in one sense. Of course, uh, Shirdaksha Vishnu is a Purusha avatar, is also Guna avatar. <laughs> He's Sattva Guna avatar. Uh, so the Purusha therefore is a primary person. And it is through the Purusha avatar that the Leela avatars and Manvantara avatars manifest. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, and all of these forms, of course, all of these different avatars, not just the Purusha avatars, but the other Manvantara avatars and Leela avatars are all, uh, in one sense, one. Mm -hmm. The Purusha avatars are actually one, but we differentiate by function. So even the Leela avatars, even though they have extremely different forms, like turtle and fish and horse, pig, etc. They're actually one entity, Supreme Lord. It's only one Supreme Lord manifesting different forms. Uh, so, uh, and this form is Adya, first form. Uh, we cannot say that uh, one comes after the other, one appeared before the other. Uh, they're, they're all eternal. Uh, uh, so, uh, and they're all Adya, they're all original, they're all uh, with no beginning yeah? and avya, never destroyed, no beginning, no end. Huh? And everything in the material world manifests through Supreme Lord. Huh? So uh, this Narayana uh, is lying on Anantashesha and Akura sees this form. Uh, Narayana, of course, is a very common word to describe Vishnu form. But uh, if we analyze the word, it has a meaning. Uh, one of the meanings is he who lies in the water or he who is the shelter of all the jivas because the nara means the human beings, ayana means the shelter. So he's the shelter of all the jivas. Uh, so uh, in other words, uh, we, this can refer to Mahavishnu as well who has uh, uh, got all the jivas in him at Pralaya and then and when creation takes place from Mahavishnu, all the jivas emanate and enter into the universes. So he's the shelter of all the jivas. Uh, so he said the ultimate shelter of all the jivas in the material world. Uh, he's like the Adi Guru in one sense here. Huh? You see, <laughs> in charge of all the uh, jivas in the material world. Uh, these jivas are conditioned jivas. They are distinct from the jivas in the spiritual world. So of course in the spiritual world the Supreme Lord is also guru. He is the uh, guru for everybody in the spiritual world as well. In the world. But the difference is they're unconditioned. Uh, here the souls by and large are conditioned in the material. But now we have devotees of course also but then we have most of the uh, jivas are conditioned. But the Lord gives shelter to everybody here in the material world. So that's the function of the Vishnu form. Huh? Spiritual world, no conditioning at all. The Lord is naturally the shelter of everyone, uh, but they don't have any conditioning. Uh, so the Lord does not have to deal with them through karma or anything else huh? in the spiritual world. Huh? Uh, so uh, therefore this uh, form of Narayan is very special because he is uh, the shelter of all the jivas in the material world. And, uh, he's their ultimate uh, uh, resort at uh, Pralaya when uh, destruction takes place. 
Out of compassion, this Lord manifests the material world for these jivas. And we cannot understand how is this compassion because the jivas are subject to karma and distress and birth and death of the material world. Uh, uh, so the compassion of the Lord is, one, he helps the Lord fulfill their material desires and their karmas. Uh, so that's his compassion. The other compassion is he makes the material world so the jivas can fulfill their karmas, but he also uh, constructs it in such a way that there's opportunity for the jivas to get out. So in the previous chapter we saw how uh, there was uh, uh, maya, and within maya we had vidya and avidya. So within the material world itself there is uh, uh, vidya that manifests in sattvagun, and this allows the jiva to get liberated from the material world. So therefore the construction of the material world is very clever. It's not just for bondage, it's also for liberation. <laughs> so if you get up to sattva, then you can get liberated. But of course we know that liberation is not everything. Uh, higher than liberation is prema. So within the material world, the Lord makes arrangements for dharma, to raise people to sattva, and for bhakti. Uh, to give them uh, prema. How does he do that? Through Manvantara avatars and Manus who, and their descendants who propagate Dharma and Bhakti in the material world through great devotees, through Shaktivesh avatars like Narada uh, and other devotees who are not Shaktivesh avatars uh, through scriptures, through the process of Bhakti, through Harinam and Yuga Dharma, etc. So these are ways in which uh, the jivas can get prema. So, and all this takes place within the material world. Spiritual world, we don't need avatars. <laughs> Avatar means to descend into the material world with a specific function of creation or helping the jivas, establishing dharma, establishing bhakti, etc. But spiritual world, everybody's eternally liberated, so no need for avatar as such. Yeah, those forms also exist there. So we have Hayagriva and Narshima and Varaha and Matsya and Kurma. They're eternal. And they all belong to the spiritual world as well. We don't call them avatar because they don't, they're not in the material world. Huh? So what do they do there? Huh? They have pastimes with their eternal devotees. Just as Krishna has pastimes with his devotees, Narshima has pastime with his devotees, Vishnu has pastimes with his devotees, etc in the spiritual world. Uh, so the function changes. Uh, 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 the bhakti is uh, fully mature. So therefore they simply operate with uh, pure bhakti or prema in the spiritual world. And it's all full of bliss. Uh, so therefore we have all these different forms of the Lord, all the devotees of the Lord uh, uh, serving them. Uh, uh, so they're under the shelter of a particular form of the Lord and there they get prema. In the material world, the Lord is giving shelter to the jivas, but they are conditioned. So therefore, Mahavishnu repeatedly creates material worlds and sticks the jivas in the material worlds with all their karma so that they can uh, uh, get their enjoyment and also get exposed to devotional service. So in any case, uh, the, the Lord makes the arrangement for both things. If they want to enjoy, he gives them opportunity. If they want to get out of the material world, get liberation, fine. If they want to get bhakti, Fine, he makes arrangements for all of that.
So therefore the Lord is not without compassion in making this material world. He makes all arrangements for all jivas so they can fulfill their desires here. Uh, so therefore he is a, a perfect creator. Huh? Uh, so these verses describe here how uh, all the different elements uh, are, are born from the Supreme Lord, uh, etc. Uh, all the elements which are achit. So, uh, nothing to praise in one sense, the, the achit aspect of the Lord, but uh, because it is under the power of the Lord, he cleverly arranges all the material elements in different combinations. Uh, so we get places for the jivas, and we get bodies for the jivas, and we get enjoyment for the jivas in the material world. So they get senses, sense objects, so they can enjoy. Uh, uh, they got uh, a mind, intelligence, ego, etc. So all these are uh, factors to help them get their enjoyment in the material world. Simultaneously, the same things can be used for bhakti. So therefore the very definition of sadhana bhakti is engagement of the senses and the mind uh, in serving Krishna. So though we may think, oh, you know, making, giving senses to the jivas and bodies, etc., all maya. No, also useful. So with the body, with the senses, with the mind, with the intelligence, we can engage in devotional service. So all these things, uh, material things which are upshit become useful for getting out of the material world and achieving prema. Uh, so therefore the, uh, this is the, the, the skill with which the Supreme Lord uh, creates everything in the material world. Uh, it can function for a very, very good purpose, that is uh, devotional service. Uh. Oh, you mentioned that uh, in spiritual world there's no need of avatars because they're directly seeing Krishna face to face. My question is that uh, the devotees in Vaikuntha, they will not, are they aware that there's a Goloka or a different avatars? Like we in material world, we are able to know different avatars and we are able to relish these pastimes. What about the spiritual world? Yeah. Well, they can, but generally they're attached to one particular form. And that's why the different forms are manifested, because certain jivas uh, have devotion and attraction for a certain form. Uh, so in the spiritual world, there are devotees of Narasimhadev. So they prefer that particular form, even though the other forms are all there, whatever. They prefer to worship that form uh, more than the others. Uh, just as uh, some devotees prefer to worship Rama. So in the spiritual world, they worship Rama and, and they don't, uh, they, they, they're not concerned with Vaikuntha or Goloka or anything. They're just, uh, worshiping Rama and Ayodhya, finished. Uh, and the same with the people who worship Krishna. In Dwarka, they're worshiping Krishna and they don't think about Ayodhya or Vaikuntha or anywhere else eh, because they're satisfied with Krishna. And people in Goloka are worshiping Krishna as a cowherd boy. And they don't think about uh, Dwarka or uh, Ayodhya or anywhere else as well. So uh, all these devotees have particular ways in which they're satisfied with particular forms and that becomes their sole uh, type of uh, remembrance. There are, of course, uh, some jivas who have no particular uh, preference for one or other, a little bit of liking for everything. <laughs> so they can join anything like this, wander around and go from one place to the other. But that's not considered to be so elevated. They have a little taste for everything and they can observe everything, serve a little bit here, serve a little there like that. 
Uh, and that's because when they did sadhana, they also did a similar thing. They worshipped everybody. Little Nishimadev, little Krishna, little Rama, little this, little that, and all their avatars. They worship a little everything. And so they developed some sort of <laughs> uh, equal worship of all the different forms of the Lord. So in the spiritual world, similarly, they get that type of realization. So nothing particularly strong, but uh, appreciation of all the forms. So sometimes when we get a question that it's better to be a Nityabhadda and get purified and go to Nityasiddha, uh, Goloka. So we'll be able to know all the pastimes. But Nityasiddha will not be knowing anything about Lord's avatars, anything. They only get fixed no, to the body. Well, even if you do sadhana, generally you concentrate on one form. And if you start concentrating on many, then the prema is not so intense. So if you want to get Krishna prema in Vrindavan, like the Brajabhasis, then you have to concentrate on that. You cannot think about Dwarka or Ayodhya or anything like that. Then you don't get that. So, uh, and especially the more intense prema in, in Goloka, then you have to concentrate only on that. You cannot simultaneously do something else. So therefore those who do sadhana and attain Goloka then, or go cool in the spiritual world, they are not aware of anything else. Just like the Brajava, eternal uh, people there are not aware of anything else. So, those who have sadhana siddhas, they're also the same. They're only concerned of Krishna as the cowherd boy. Hmm? Yeah, they develop attraction for that form, so they become absorbed in that particular form. You are saying that you know all the avatars are there in the spiritual world. What about this uh, Mohini? Because in the first kind of Srimad Bhagavatam, Mohini also considered as avatar. Mm -hmm. uh, and also normally the Mohini avatar, you know, only to build it a demon only. It's only temporary, not permanent. But it's considered as avatar. Well, some of the avatars are temporary in the sense they don't manifest for a great period of time. That's all. But it doesn't be because they got spiritual bodies, they can't die. So. Uh, even uh, the Mohini avatar is in charge of, she's the presiding deity of the layers, there's various layers of the universe, uh, like uh, earth and fire and water, oh, air, water ether, ether and uh -huh. we get Prakriti layer, then in the Prakriti layer we have Mohini avatar as the presiding deity there, <laughs> in that. so she's also there. And of course Prakriti exists after the dissolution of the universe also, so therefore we have the presiding uh, deity Mohini there also. So, in uh, any way, she resides there. But then, of course, in the spiritual world again, uh, she can function as well. So it's not but a, would you not see any, uh, any, any bodies worshipping Mohini avatar in the material it's world? It's not so common, not so common. <laughs> no Mohini temple. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, among all the different avatars, there's a classification. So, at the bottom, we have those who are manifest less powers and they manifest for a less period of time. So. Mohini or Kapila, these are put on the bottom category. Then we have those that have more powers like that, more and more powers, and then we get Varaha and Nishrima, and then finally we get Krishna at the top. So those that manifest less powers are classified as, you know, uh, more, uh, less, uh, say, um, manifestation of qualities. What about the Lord Buddha? How to accept him? Because normally he, yeah. No, Lord Buddha normally we take him in you know, like you know, he is the atheist, you know, because he rejects the Vedas. But well, but it is directly described that he has a certain purpose, just like Shankaracharya had a certain purpose. Uh, he's actually the incarnation of Shiva, 
but then he had a certain purpose. So Buddha had a certain purpose also in, in uh, taking people away from karma, kanda, etc. So uh, nothing wrong with that. But uh, they say that in Kali Yuga, Vishnu does not manifest. So therefore, if he, a Buddha manifests in Kali Yuga as well as Kalki, then cannot be Vishnu, it has to be Shaktivesh avatar only. So therefore, uh, that, that, then we can consider him a Shaktivesh avatar, and Kalki also is a Shaktivesh avatar. And generally, the Kali Yuga, Yuga Dharma avatar, doing Kirtan 1,000 times on the day of Rama, is also Shaktivesh avatar. Whereas in the other Yugas, he's not. He's actually a Vishnu form. See, whatever Buddha has given, that his philosophy, is someone worship him, but it's not possible for him to go to the that, you know, spiritual world because he has given very limited philosophy even there, you know, some 10 or some, some, some theories he has given. It's not, well, it's not uh, sufficient. Well, we can say Lord Chaitanya only gave <laughs> Shishtashtaka. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the followers of Buddha have written extensive things, so there's an extensive literature of Buddhism also, you know. Of course, they have different opinions also, and they have different groups of Buddhists. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, avatar is there, and if one worships that avatar, then one gets some benefit, uh, because he's avatar of the Supreme Lord. But also he's Shaktavesh avatar, so he's not ultimately Supreme Lord. It's like Narada Muni, who's a devotee or whatever. Huh? So he's more like a devotee of the Lord than the Supreme Lord, but he's got special powers given by the Lord. So can you say that, you know, all the avatars, like Shaktavesh avatars, or Guna avatars, they don't have any abode in the spiritual world? They don't have their own abode because the Shaktavesh avatars, they were like, like jivas, so therefore, but they are in the spiritual world, they have eternal forms. So Narada Muni has a devotee. eternal form, Kumaras has eternal form, uh, yeah, they all have eternal form. As a devotee? Yeah. Now, what about the Guna Avatara? Guna Avatara, no. No. Well, Brahma is just a jiva. Yeah. Uh, special, he, his form is not eternal, you see. Yeah. Shaktavesh Avatar, eternal forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. forms. But Brahma is the temporary material body and gives it up. Shiva, of course, is a separate category. No, what about the Dattatriya? He's also uh, Avatar. But his philosophy is wrong. Huh? His philosophy is wrong. Again, it's something like uh, Jnana, teaching Jnana, etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Just like the, even the uh, Kumaras teach Gana. <laughs> no, Atma experiences suffering. Yeah. So this sort of inconvenience is there in the spiritual world also? Experiences? Yeah. So therefore when they're separated from Krishna, the gopis are suffering. Because they can experience. But material world experience of suffering is in ignorance because suffering is due to identification of a body which is suffering. You can, the, the, jiva cannot suffer from fire, heat, swords, guns, nothing. Cannot die. So that sense he cannot die. Only the body can suffer. So because we then with the body, we suffer in the material world. And we experience pain. Yeah, but it's not real suffering because it's got nothing to do, it's, it's all related to Krishna. It's got nothing to do with our material body. It's got to do with Krishna, separation from Krishna, meeting with Krishna. So only within that, it's part of prema. 
creates so much confusion, this Aidyam word. When you say Aidyam, means beginning. No. Yeah. It is a different explanation. So he's there before everything else. When you say before in the material. Everything else has a beginning, he has no beginning in other words. So when you say everything else has a beginning, that means Atma also has a beginning then. Huh? Atma also has a beginning. Well, uh, everything else has a beginning uh, in the sense that without him, the jiva does not exist or prakriti does not exist. And they only manifest through his power. So the jivas exist eternally, but they're all sitting within Mahavishnu. And only when he wills it, then they manifest into material worlds and whatever like that. And similarly with prakriti, it can do nothing and it only manifests and, uh, through uh, Mahatattva, etc., and becomes uh, a universe as by will of the Supreme Lord. So it's all under the Supreme Lord, under the control of the Supreme Lord. Hmm? When you see the Brahma Govinda Adi Purusham, he says Adi Purusham means Adi, same word you use. Well, he's Adi Purusha in the sense that uh, he is the form of the Lord that manifests the most qualities. And all the other forms manifest less qualities. They're all obviously eternal, the uh, forms of the Lord, but uh, he is the, the highest form of the Lord. Even in, in uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, there is a uh, gradation is given, like Krishna, Balaram, Fat Chaturbhya, some Krishna again, second Chaturbhya come, something like it is given. So what is the purpose of this? Because already, already everything is eternal, Every, all the forms are eternal. Just to show the amount of powers that manifest in them, that's all. They manifest different amounts of powers and qualities. So therefore, someone like Kapila, even though he is Supreme Lord, Vishnu, he doesn't teach us, that's all. Doesn't manifest much powers, doesn't create material worlds, doesn't you know, do, do much, but he preaches and gives knowledge of bhakti. So some forms are like that. Others do more activities like uh, Hayagriva or something. He manifests the Vedas or Matsya. Uh, he rescues the Vedas or Kurma, he holds up the Mandara Mount, they show more powers, like that. So, some show less, some show more powers, but all actually one Supreme Lord. Yeah. He's also Shaktivesh Avatar. I mean that uh, some Avatars, they keep overlapping, yeah. they, they keep existing in other Yuga well, Krishna, Krishna and Balaram, simultaneous. Vyasadeva also, same time. Uh, Parsaram is also then along at the same time, so, yeah, so they may last a long time. Uh, Vamana also is still around. He's, he's the uh, uh, Manvantara avatar, so he's still around. Uh, so yeah, some, some are uh, manifest at the same time, or some are still around when others manifest, etc. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Hare Hare. Radha Krishna Jaya Radha Krishna Radha Krishna Jaya Lalita Vishaka
जय गौरनिताय जय गौरनिताय जय जगन्नाथ जय जगन्नाथ बलदेव जय सुभदमय जय जय प्रभु 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 ಶ್ರೀಮದೀಶ್ರೀಮದೀಶ್ರೀಮದೀಶ್ರೀಮದೀಶ್ರೀಮದೀಶ್ರೀಮದೀಶ್ರೀಮದೀಶ್ರೀ
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Nama Om Vishnu Badaya Krishna Prasthaya Purave Shimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Saraswati Deva Gauravani Pachadane Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Pashatade Shatadane Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasti Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Chapter 40 Verse 8 Tam evanye shivoktena Margena shiva rupanam Bhav acharya vibhedena Bhagavantam upasate Rupinam in the form of Lord Shiva uh, Bahu Acharya of many teachers Vibhedena following the different presentations uh, Bhagavantam the Supreme Lord Upasate they worship translation there are still others who worship you the Supreme Lord in the form of Lord 
Shiva. They follow the path described by him and interpret, interpreted in various ways by many teachers. Purport uh, the word Tvameva, you also indicates that the path of worshipping the Lord Shiva is indirect and therefore inferior. Akura himself is following the superior method by directly worshipping Krishna or Vishnu with his prayers. <coughs> but all these people, my Lord, even those who have turned their attention away from you and are worshipping other deities, are actually worshipping you alone. O embodiment of all the demigods. Purport, the idea here is that even those who worship the demigods are indirectly worshiping the Supreme Lord Vishnu. The understanding of such worshipers, however, is imperfect. As rivers born from the mountains and filled by the rain flow from all sides into the sea, so do all paths in the end reach you, O Master. Lord Krishna himself speaks on this issue of the worship in the Bhagavad Gita. Those who are devatas, devotees of other gods and who worship them with faith accordingly actually worship only me, O son of Kunti, but they do so in a wrong way. I am the only enjoyer and master of all sacrifices. Therefore, those who do not recognize my true transcendental nature fall down. Those who worship the demigods will take birth among the demigods. Those who worship the ancestors go to the ancestors. All those who worship ghosts and spirits will take birth among such beings, and those who worship me will live with me. So, uh, these verses are describing uh, various types of worship, and actually uh, the previous verses also indicated different types of persons, like yogis worshiping the Lord, uh, and then uh, brahmanas doing sacrifices, chanting mantras. Uh, and they, act, they actually worship many demigods. Huh? And then uh, some people do jnana. Uh, now in uh, this verse particularly, uh, we're talking about worship of uh, different devatas like Shiva, uh, which are also described in Bhagavad Gita. And uh, of course in the Kamakanda section of the Vedas, we have uh, many sacrifices recommended for devatas. So because this is all scripture, Karmakanda is also scripture, uh, and it's also quite prominent, this type of uh, uh, subject in various uh, scriptures, uh, a lot of people uh, follow this type of worship. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, they think this is the final conclusion of all scriptures. So that is where the mistake lies. Yes, it is in the scripture, and uh, for persons who don't have faith in the Supreme Lord, they can worship various devatas and do sacrifices and get material results. But it's not the final process for anybody. So finally one must worship Supreme Lord, and through that one can uh, achieve the highest goal beyond liberation, that is prema. So, though we have many descriptions of worship of devatas, we should not think that that is the recommended path. Yes, it is recommended, but not the final recommended path. Uh, uh, so that, of course, is made very clear in this quotation from Bhagavad Gita. Uh, people worship other 
forms, forms of devatas, etc. And they give temporary results. Uh, and of course, if you worship a devata, you can go to a devata, but the devata has a material body. So that's a temporary goal. It's not outside the material world. It's within the material world. You worship Pitras, also within the material world. So, uh, therefore, uh, if one wants to continue the cycle of birth and death, then one can worship devatas. And if one does so, then uh, one can improve one's material condition. Uh, devatas are in Svargaloka. Uh, so one can get such a position uh, and have material enjoyment like that. But it is not uh, perfect. It is temporary and it's material. So, those who are more intelligent, then they will understand they're not the material body. And they may practice jnana yoga or astanga yoga to get free from the material body. Uh, so, to do this, they have to renounce everything in karma yoga. That is all of the different goals with all the different enjoyments of all the different planetary systems. Uh, so, uh, they practice vairagya and uh, they study Vedanta, Upanishads, etc. and understand they're not the material body. And with the yogis, of course, then they practice these meditation and pranayama, etc. to uh, destroy all of their karmas. Finally, they get mukti. So these are called the purushartas, uh, the normal goals. Artha, Dharma, Kama, and Moksha. So through the path of Karmakanda and Jnanakanda, Karma Yoga, Gyan Yoga, and Astanga Yoga, one can get these goals. Uh, so, uh, various scriptures um, praise these various paths. Uh, and it's not that one is, you do either and it's all the same. It's very clearly mentioned that Jnana and yoga are superior to karma. Liberation is superior to artha, dharma, and kama. Uh, so we cannot say that all paths are the same, the, they lead to the same goal. Uh, one path leads to the other. Karma yoga should lead ultimately to jnana yoga, or astanga yoga, or bhakti yoga. Uh, that is one interpretation of uh, Atado Brahma Jagasa. One should inquire of Brahman when, now, after having gone through experience of enjoyment in the material world and practicing karma. And one gets tired of that. Then one is qualified for Brahma Jagasa, inquiring about Brahman and Jnana. So, in other words, uh, uh, the karma yoga, worship of devatas and sacrifices are preliminary uh, to get, uh, to raise one to the position where one can understand what's not the material body and then become detached and go for liberation from the material world. So, though worship of devatas and sacrifices to go to Svarga Loka are there in the Vedic literature, uh, we should not consider them to be the highest. They are a step leading to jnana and yoga and bhakti. That's all. Huh? Huh. So, in the scriptures, uh, many devatas are described 
the worship is described, and the Davidists are praised. And sometimes they are praised as Supreme Lord, Ishvara. Huh? So because of that, then they'll think, oh, uh, Indra is the same as Krishna, Agni is the same as Krishna, Shiva is the same as Krishna, Brahma is the same as Krishna, they're all Ishvara. Huh? So, uh, we should not take those words as absolute truth. They are exaggerations. Which means that the scriptures sometimes do not tell the truth. <laughs> they give exaggerated praise. So the uh, example often quoted is that sacrifice uh, into going to Sparga uh, makes you immortal. This is found in the Karmakanda section of the Vedas. Based on that, and then people like Jamini say this is the ultimate goal of life. Just go to Svargalok because it's Amrita, immortal, no more death. So if we only take the Karmakanda, then we could come to that conclusion. But if we take all the scriptures, then we find no. If we take Bhagavad Gita, what does it say? Go to Svargaloka, you fall down. It's not, it's not permanent. You live there a long time, but you fall. So therefore those words are not absolutely true, relatively true for people on earth. Yes, it is Amrita. You're deathless in one sense because you live a very, very long period of time, which is inconceivable to us. But still, material body is there. So it is exaggeration. It's not we can't take the words in the absolute sense, uh, completely deathless. They're relatively deathless, they live longer. Hmm? Just like if on earth a per person lived for 200 years, we consider him immortal <laughs> compared to a person who lives 50 years or 60 years or 70 years or 80 years. Eh? He lives 200, 300 years, ah, then he's immortal, deathless. But no, he dies also. So this is exaggeration. Ah. Why did the scriptures exaggerate? So that people will get faith in that particular process. So Krishna himself does this in chapter 3 of Bhagavad Gita. He says, you do karma yoga, uh, and this is perfection in life. Worship the devatas. You get all your desires fulfilled. You come, become completely satisfied. Not absolutely true, because he says the opposite in chapter 9 of Bhagavad Gita. He says, all foolish. Huh? Uh, it's temporary. But in chapter 3, he praises it. Why? To encourage people to follow that path, to encourage Arjuna to follow the path of karma yoga. Yeah. So in order to get faith in a particular process, one has to praise it. And therefore, sometimes the praise is exaggerated. This is the final goal, this is everything, do this. Yeah. Uh, so that is what is done for karma yoga and karma kanda, etc. Exaggerated praise. Uh, and because people then think, ah, this is the final goal, then they very enthusiastically follow that process. Ah, I get the Svargaloka, then problems are all solved, finished. Huh? So, uh, this is, in other words, um, a strategy to get people to practice. Huh? Huh, but not absolutely true. Huh? So in this way, uh, the scriptures sometimes uh, use exaggerated words. And we cannot take everything literally. We have to look very carefully and see 
other parts of the scripture say something different. And if they do, then we have to see which is the actual truth. So, uh, and that takes place in Bhagavad Gita. And fortunately, we do have the commentaries of Acharyas to show us that the, the later opinion of Krishna, statement of Krishna is the stronger one. So later on he says, worship of David is foolish, it's temporary. Therefore, you do bhakti. So that statement is stronger than the other statement in chapter 3. So all of the praise for karma yoga ultimately is relative and we get stronger praise for jnana, yoga and then finally bhakti. So, similar to the worship of the devatas is the uh, quest for Brahman. Uh, so, in order to give people faith in the process of jnana and yoga, the goal of liberation is praised as ultimate. Get free from the material world, get free from karma, get free from ignorance, have a very peaceful life. This is the final goal. Uh, uh, opposite of karma yoga. Uh, reject all of the material enjoyments. Uh, so, again, uh, this is exaggerated praise. <laughs> yes, it is better than uh, karma yoga and its material results, but it's also not final. Yeah? So then we get to the process of bhakti. And then beyond bhakti, we don't find anything else. Yeah? That is the final process. Yeah. So, we have to go through the scripture and uh, see the uh, strength of the different statements and based on that we can come to the final conclusion. Uh, so, uh, therefore, uh, we cannot blindly uh, look at any isolated statement of scripture and take that as the absolute truth. We have to see it in relation to all the other statements and we see if there's contradictions. Uh, then we have to see which is a stronger statement and based on that we can come to a real conclusion. Uh, so there's a whole process to come to conclusions of scripture. Which are the stronger statements and why, etc. Huh? Huh? Uh, of course, in the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita there, uh, it's explained that, uh, Lord Chaitanya explains this in relation to the Brahma Sutras and the interpretation of scripture. It says there, the, um, the direct meaning is usually stronger than an indirect meaning. Uh, so if it's a direct meaning and there's no contradiction, we accept it. Now, of course, for any direct statement, we can always interpret it. It doesn't actually mean that it means something else. But then we have to have a good reason for that. If we don't have a good reason other than I think it's like this, uh, uh, then uh, we have to reject that and keep the direct meaning. Hmm? Uh, so the indirect meaning is called Lakshana. Uh, uh, and the, the direct meaning is called Abhida. So as much as possible, we follow Abhida, not Lakshana. Hmm. So, uh, in this way, uh, we have a whole system for uh, finding the real meaning of scriptures. Hmm. Uh, so it takes some intelligence, uh, some common sense to do that. Fortunately, we do have the commentaries of our Acharyas to help us come to the proper conclusion. Uh, so, here in the prayers of Akura, Akura is actually giving us a nice 
uh, conclusion, he's actually summarizing all of these different processes found in the Vedic literatures. Uh, uh, he is stating uh, the condition of uh, people at that time. Some were doing uh, sacrifices for material goals. Some were practicing jnana or yoga. Uh, uh, some were worshipping uh, devatas, uh, and Shiva and other devatas, etc. And all of these had great, um, strong followers, people who were very dedicated to those various paths. And because of that, we find in the Brahma Sutras, this whole section rejecting all of this worship, re rejecting the worshippers of Lord Shiva, the worshippers of Ganesh, the worshippers of Surya, etc. <laughs> all, all these are rejected. As well, of course, the, the philosophies like Buddhism, Jain, and other philosophies, and uh, worshippers of Shiva, worshippers of Ganesh, worshippers of uh, Surya, etc. All are rejected as being not proper interpretation of scripture. Uh, so, uh, there were very strong following for all of these different types of uh, processes and worship, etc. Huh? Uh, so, these are mentioned by, uh, here by uh, Arkura, and he comes to the proper conclusion that actually they are worshipping these forms, uh, uh, but actually they are ultimately you, because you give them the power by which they can do whatever they are doing. Uh, so Shiva gets his power from the Lord, and David does get their power from the Lord, etc. Uh, they don't operate independently. Uh, so, though they worship David, as they're ultimately worshiping you. So then we can say, well, why can't you worship David? Does and then it's the same as worshiping Krishna. Why can't we worship Shiva? If, if it says here Shiva is non-different, you worship Shiva, you're actually worshiping. Vishnu or Krishna. So then, why can't I worship Shiva? So, uh, answer to that is that this is so that it's another form of worship of the Lord, but it is indirect. And therefore, the result also is not exactly the same. Furthermore, if we uh, know the scripture, but still we refuse to directly worship the Lord and we worship these other forms, then it becomes aparad. Huh? So we have one of the offenses to the holy name to think the names of the devatas are the same as the name of Vishnu. Huh? Uh, they're all equal. Huh? So um, we, cannot, we cannot come to that conclusion. Uh, they get their power from the Lord, and in that sense, they are aspects of the Lord. But they're different from the Lord, and therefore we can expect different results. Hmm? Of course, uh, there is a way of uh, solving this problem of worshiping David does or whatever, uh, and making it uh, authorized. What is the solution? recognize when we are worshiping that ultimately uh, whatever we get from these devatas is a result of the of Supreme Lord. So we see them as servants of the Supreme Lord. So therefore all the worship has to be done with this concept that they are simply servants of the Lord, which means it's like worshiping Vaishnavas. And that's permitted. We can worship the Vaishnava. Uh, uh, 
uh, because he is the servant of the Supreme Lord. And the servants of the Supreme Lord are dear to the Lord. So we worship the Vaishnavas as we worship the Lord. We worship Guru as we worship the Lord. Huh? So with that type of mentality, we can worship Devatas. Uh, but we can't separate them and make them independent entities. Thus, when we do the worship, uh, uh, we have to offer them respects, but as servants of the Lord. And uh, then the prescription is that we offer them the prashad from the deity. We don't offer them separate uh, offerings. Huh? So if we make an offering and we offer it to Krishna, then we can offer it to Shiva and Ganesh and others. No problem. Hmm? Well, we can't offer independently. So in this way, if we want to do that worship of devatas, we can respect them in that way. Huh? And then it is authorized. Huh? But to think that they're independent entities into separate worship, then that is not authorized. Hmm? Uh, so, uh, of course, we also see in the uh, karma conduct section, you can worship the devatas, but you also has to you have to worship the Supreme Lord and respect him also. If you don't respect him and you offend the Lord, you don't get results from the Karmakanda and you don't go to Svargaloka. So you can, in either case, not disrespect the Lord. You have to carry out the worship of the Lord. Yeah. The correct process is to see that they are worshipped but as servants of Vishnu. So in that way, uh, uh, the Supreme Lord gets the prominent worship. He's not made secondary or equal to the others. So, uh, this verse is quoted about the rivers going to the ocean, <laughs> which is also, uh, I think in the Sanjavandana, they often use this uh, prayer. It's a different one, but it's very similar that uh, everything goes to a chuta, huh? uh, which is good because uh, it shows the supreme nature of uh, Vishnu or Krishna, uh, that uh, everyone is subservient to him. Uh, and in the same way that all paths are ultimately leading to the process of bhakti and worship of the Supreme Lord. So in that sense it is true. The, the false interpretation is that everything is okay and we do any process, it gives the same result. Like all, all roads lead to Rome, that's another thing. So we do karma yoga, gan yoga, stanga yoga, or nothing, material life, it's all the same. <laughs> no. We have to follow according to the scripture. And as you see, though the scripture does recommend these processes, it doesn't say they're all equal. They give particular results, and one result is higher than the other. The result of karma yoga is lower than the result of jnana and yoga. The result of jnana and yoga is lower than the result for bhakti. So, uh, we have to have the uh, correct understanding. And with that, then we can uh, choose the correct path. And the correct path, of course, is follow the path of bhakti yoga and worship the Lord. So to make it very simple, then uh, we have a conclusion in Bhagavad Gita, simply surrender unto me, worship me. That's the final conclusion. After speaking for so many chapters, then uh, this is the final conclusion of everything. So we don't have to go through all the karmakanda, the jnanakanda, and the yoga and study everything like that. We just accept that final conclusion with faith in the Krishna statement, then fine. We've understood the conclusion of all scriptures. Conclusion of Bhagavad Gita, conclusion of Bhagavatam, conclusion of all the Vedas and all the Upanishads, simply by dedicating ourselves to the lotus feet of Krishna. So, very simple solution to everything. But, 
if we have all sorts of questions and saying, well, does scripture really say this? Then we can go to the scripture and study things in detail. And then we'll find, yes, this is the conclusion. Mm -hmm. In the context of Avidhi Purvakam, we find that Bhumadevi, when she was in distress, she goes to Brahma. How to understand that? She goes to Brahma, she doesn't go to the Supreme Lord. Oh, well, there's what we can say, conventional processes followed in the world. Uh, just like we see Rukmini goes to the temple of Durga Devi to worship or whatever like that. Uh, and even the, uh, the young Kumaris in uh, Vrindavan, they, they worship uh, uh, Kachayani, which is another form of Durga Devi, etc. So, uh, in many cases, uh, the devotees follow uh, convention uh, in the world, which is convention means Dharma, Karma Yoga, etc. And they go through particular processes of uh, you know, worship and whatever in respect to different entities. Uh, of course, in the material world, generally if the devat has a problem, their first approach is to go higher up. And they go higher up and they go higher up and finally they get to Brahma. And when Brahma cannot solve the problem, then he goes to Vishnu. So they, they go through that process. Like Arjuna's friend, Krishna could have give, given this Pashuvat, but he doesn't give. He sent Arjuna to go to uh, Lashiva. Mm, yeah. So, like of course, there's, we can say that uh, in that sense, it's worship of the devotee of the Lord. Because Shiva is also a devotee of the Lord. So, uh, it's no problem if he worships him with the proper mentality. Rama. Oh, okay. That became says according to convention, but I think in uh, the Sri Vaishnavas say that that's not actually in the Ramayana, that he doesn't worship Shiva or something like that. So there's, a, there's some sort of <laughs> contradiction or something there. So I don't know whether it actually says so in the Ramayana that he actually worshiped Shiva or not, but the, they say no, he didn't worship Shiva. So. I have no idea. of uh, all demigods, Lord Krishna and their ancestors and they keep uh, worshipping everything together. Yeah, so. that's the bad concept. <laughs> <laughs> but where will they land, Magaraj? Huh? Where do they land? Well, uh, because they're worshipping in ignorance, uh, then as it says here, if you worship the devatas, you go to the devatas, etc. So you get a material result at best. Well, Magaraj, could you explain uh, what is worshipping the ghost? We don't see the ghost. Uh, um, ancestors means okay, like our we have seen the ancestors like father, grandfather. Demigods we see in the temple. What about the ghost? We don't even see who... Uh, well, that is generally Tamasic worship. They worship spirits. They go to the spirits and from the spirits they get certain powers. Uh, we see some people do that. I think they worship different spirits to get mystic powers and things like this or curing people or whatever and they worship spirits and things like that. So, that type of thing. Where do Jesus fall in this? Mm, it's not mentioned in the scripture, so I can't say. What about Allah, Magaraj? Same. Thank you. Uh, <coughs> 
scripture said that we should not disturb their faith, those who are worshipping demigods. So should we disturb them, those who are worshipping? Well, the context of that statement is don't disturb the minds of the people who are on the lower level and suddenly tell them, oh, you give up karma and you renounce everything and take sannyas and be a gani. So that definitely we don't do. Huh? So uh, obviously, according to qualification, we can preach. So even for bhakti, we say, don't preach to the faithless. It's no offense to preach to the faithless persons. So they're all, oh, you're all ignorance, you're all fools. Just uh, worship Krishna. Huh? If they don't have faith, then that's considered to be aparad. So according to the person, we have to uh, say the proper thing. Huh? Otherwise, uh, it won't do any, won't do any benefit, it won't give them any benefit. Huh? So we have to understand the person. Huh? Now, then of course, uh, uh, the, the, uh, we can say the exception there is that don't disturb the people, but if you have the highest truth, you should tell the highest truth. <laughs> So you shouldn't say, oh yes, everybody is all equal, and it's all nice, everything you're doing is very nice. Uh, 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 we don't have to tell them you give everything up for Krishna, but we have to do something so that gradually they can give it up. Uh, so that may require some time until they get faith. Uh, so we have to preach intelligently. Bhagavad Gita second chapter it is said that Trayguna Vishavada Nistrayguna Bhavajan Nidanda Nitta Satasta Nigakshamatmavan. So when Krishna is telling Arjuna that when the Vedas are dealing with the three gunas, so mm -hmm. you become free from the Dhadvam, duality and state mm -hmm. in the above the three mudas, Nitta Sattam is it said that. So can you say that you know Sri Srimad Bhagavatam you can say revealed before five thousand years back? Like you know, you know, in the form of books or knowledge, in parampara. So before that, nothing was existing. The Shrimad Bhagavatam, nothing, and everyone is under the three moods. No, when you look at the commentaries on that verse, then it says that yes, uh, by and large, uh, they're talking about uh, karma yoga and the three gunas, but not all the Vedas. A large portion, definitely, are talking about dharma, karma, and artha. But we do have a section on liberation, moksha, and we have the Gyankanda, and that speaks about liberation. And within the Gyankanda, we also have bhakti. So therefore, it's not an absolute statement that the Vedas only speak of material things. They also speak of moksha, they also speak of bhakti, but lesser degree, that's all. When you see now Vedas, if you see, there are, you know, maximum priority is given towards the different demigods, like you have so many mantras that there is given. But uh, that Upasana, Upasana Kanda is very rare and people don't accept it also. Hmm? Upasana Kanda, you know, this, uh, about this Oshimita Supreme Lord, it's very rare. Maximum are demigods only. Well, well, that's their misconception, of course. As I said, the large section of the Vedas is, is Karma Kanda and worship of Devatas. So that's because people are material, they don't have faith. But the other sections are there, and if we're intelligent, then we study and we understand that material endeavor is lower than getting out of the material world. But it, it requires good study and faith. In this verse, you know, there is a Bahu Acharya Bhivideno, you know, Bhagavantam Upasate. So, it's mentioned Bahu many, many Acharyas, according to the many Acharyas that, you know, highest Oshiva of the Supreme Lord. 
So, but Acharya word, how to understand the Acharya word? Because even Shankaracharya also used well, Acharya. Teachers. For us, of course, we talk about Acharyas, then we mean a very elevated Vaishnava. But Acharya in the general sense is simply a teacher, like a guru or whatever, who's got following properly, etc., and he's got some fame. So we have so many famous people within a particular group, like the Shivite, the Shivite group, and they're called Acharyas there. <laughs> they're, they're the ones who are arguing and writing and are very knowledgeable. They call them Acharya. So it's just a general term in this case. Doesn't mean that the Vaishnavacharyas are praising Shiva as the final goal, but that means that certain persons who are very learned in that particular group, you know, they're uh, praising Shiva and worshipping him as the final goal. While uh, Gajendra was offering his prayers, uh, he also indicates, I remember that uh, I am I, calling for the Supreme Lord, not the Vibhinnamsa, the Devatas and all that. And the devatas get offended and they feel that uh, we will not go to help him, he will let him suffer and also the uh, Supreme Lord Vishnu will not help him. That's their consciousness. Hmm? Uh, the devatas consciousness is that he is not calling us, so that way they get offended. The devatas mm -hmm. get offended mm -hmm. and they are also thinking that Vishnu will not go and help. Who is, how Vishnu is going to hear his prayers, an insignificant soul. Mm -hmm. This is the consciousness of the devatas. Mm -hmm. So? I mean, how to understand? They feel that you are not calling me, so you will not get help by from me, nor from the Supreme Lord. Hmm. Well, uh, of course the devatas are also devotees, but uh, this is just, uh, this uh, shows that they also are not on the highest level, that's all. Okay. Hmm? Vishnu. Yeah, there's forms of the Supreme Lord up there. Uh, Vamana Dev is there. And other forms of the Lord are there. And Brahma Loka, there's a Vishnu form there also, who accepts the sacrifices. Well, temporarily. But then again, that part of that is Leela of the Lord. He arranges for that. Uh -huh. Well, generally, a person is judged by the, generally judged by the association. If you look at like that, Akrura or uh, Vibhishana, if you do the same thing, then we, there'll be a mistake. Hmm? Generally, a person is judged by the association. Yeah, well, that, of course, is circumstance. Huh? Uh, so when that circumstance is finished, then they are in the association of other devotees. So in certain, well, you can say the, the uh, let's say the, uh, Pandavas. <laughs> they get exiled, so no association at all. <laughs> but that's an extraordinary circumstance. So it depends on the circumstance also. And we have a, what they prefer, of course, is the association of devotees, but it, sometimes they cannot get that because of the particular circumstances. So. Ramuna Tiravana Chari Chamu 
Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Sri Advaita Gadadash was the Gorbakarindigai, Sri Sri Radha Krishna, Goba Gobida Shama Kunda Radhaka Digidi Govardhan Kijai, Sri Vrindavan Dhan Kijai, Navarib Dhan Kijai, Gangjamana Tosi Bhakti Devikijai, Ananda Kodi Vaishna Vabindikijai, Samavetta Bhakti Vidigijai, Go Premanandi. All glorious the assembled devotees, all glorious the assembled devotees, all glorious the assembled devotees, all glorious the Sri Guru and Sri Guranga, all glorious the Sri Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Om Vishnu Vadaya Krishna Vastai Buddha Shimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Sinamani Namaste Saraswati Deva Gauravani Prachadane Nirvashesha Shunyavadi Parsha Chadesha Tadane Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shuvasri Gaur Bhakta Rinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Reading from Srimad Bhavna Canto 10 Chapter 40 Verse 11 Satvam Rajas Tama Iti Bhavata Prakater Guna Teshohi Prakrita Prota Abramastavaradaya
sattvam, goodness, raja, passion, tama, ignorance, iti, alas, known, bhavata, your, prakrate, of material nature, guna, qualities, teshu, to them, he, certainly, prakrata, conditioned living entities, Prota, woven, ah, Brahma, up to Lord Brahma, Stavra Adayaha, starting with the non-moving creatures. Translation, goodness, passion, and ignorance, the qualities of your material nature entangle all conditioned living beings, from Brahma down to non-moving creatures. I offer no obeisances to you who, as the supreme soul of all beings, witness everyone's consciousness with unbiased vision. The current of your material modes, produced by the force of ignorance, flows strongly among the living beings who assume identities as demigods, humans, and animals. Fire is said to be your face, earth your feet, the sun your eye, and the sky your navel. The directions are your sense of hearing, the chief demigods, your arms, and the oceans, your abdomen. Heaven is thought to be your head, and the wind, your vital air and physical strength. The trees and plants are the hairs of your body, the clouds are the hair on your head, and the mountains, the bones and nails of you, the Supreme. <clears throat> the passage of day and night is the blinking of your eyes, the progenitor of mankind, your genitals, and the rain, your semen. All the worlds, with their presiding demigods and teeming populations, originate in you, the inexhaustible Supreme Personality of Godhead. These worlds travel within you, the basis of the mind and senses, just as aquatics swim in the sea, or tiny insects burrow within an udumbra fruit. To enjoy your pastimes, you manifest yourself in various forms in this material world. And these incarnations cleanse away all the unhappiness of those who joyfully chant your glories. I offer my obeisances to you, the cause of the creation, Lord Matsya, who swam about in the ocean of dissolution, to Lord Hayagriva, the killer of Madhu and Kaitaba, to the immense tortoise who supported Mandara Mountain, and to the boar incarnation who enjoyed lifting the earth. Purport the Vishnu Coast Dictionary states the word Akuparaya indicates the king of tortoises. Obeisances to you, the amazing line, who remove your saintly devotees' fear into the door of Vamana, who stepped over the three worlds. Obeisances to you, Lord of the Brigus, who cut down the forest of the conceited royal order, and to Lord Rama, the best of the Ragu dynasty, he put an end to the demon Ravana. Obeisance to you, Lord of the Sattvas, and to your form, Vasudev, Shankarshan, Pradumna, and Aniruddha. Obeisance to your form as the faultless Lord Buddha, who will bewilder the Daityas and Dhanavas, and to Lord Kaoki, the annihilator of meat-eaters posing as kings. O Supreme Lord, the living entities in this world are bewildered by your illusory energy, becoming involved in the false concept of I and my, they are forced to wander along the paths of fruit of work. I too am deluded 
in this way, O Almighty Lord, foolishly thinking my body, children, home, wife, money, and followers to be real, though they are actually as unreal as a dream. Thus, mistaking the temporary for the eternal, my body for myself, and source of misery, sources of happiness, I have tried to take pleasure in material dualities. Covered in this way by ignorance, I could not recognize you as the real object of my love. Just as a fool overlooks a body of water covered by the vegetation growing in it and chases a mirage, so I have turned away from you. My intelligence is so crippled that I cannot find the strength to curb my mind, which is disturbed by material desires and activities and constantly dragged here and there by my obstinate senses. Being thus fallen, I am approaching your feet for shelter, O Lord. Because although the impure can never attain your feet, I think it is nevertheless possible by your mercy. Only when one's material life has ceased, O lotus-navelled Lord, can one develop consciousness of you by serving your pure devotees. Obeisances to the supreme absolute truth, the possessor of unlimited energies. He is the embodiment of pure transcendental knowledge, the source of all kinds of awareness and the predominator of the forces of nature that rule over the living being. O son of Vasudev, obeisances to you within whom all living beings reside. O Lord of the mind and senses, I again offer you my obeisances. O master, please protect me who am surrendered unto you. Thus in the purports of the humble servants of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the 10th canto, 40th chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled Prayers of Akura. So here we have a whole series of statements uh, describing the uh, condition of the jiva in the material world. So these are actually not prayers as such, it's actually a big statement uh, uh, in which. Uh, uh, the purpose of which is to describe how, uh, though the living entities are in this material nature, uh, the Lord is the ultimate controller and he can get the living entities out of this situation. So Akura identifies himself as one of these conditioned jivas, uh, full of uh, ignorance, covered by material body, attached to family members, etc. Uh, and, and then he prays to him to uh, uh, release him from this uh, illusion and uh, uh, deliver him to the his uh, the Lord's lotus feet. Uh, and in the in in the progress of glorifying this Lord, uh, who is uh, in charge of the material world, uh, he describes the avatars of the Lord. And here we find. Uh, many of the avatars which are included in the Das Avatar Stotra. So we even get Buddha and Kalki here in this list of avatars. Uh, hmm? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously it's, it's something which is uh, well known as, uh, the list is well known as uh, you know, repeating every day of Brahma uh, and that the Lord uh, takes these different forms. Uh, so uh, the Lord does this to uh, protect his devotees uh, and to serve his devotees. Uh, 
So he has a certain purpose in uh, doing all these different activities in different forms of avatars. Uh, and therefore the Lord is not indifferent, though he's the witness of everything. He is not an impersonal witness. He is sama, or uh, equal to everyone, and he doesn't uh, um, favor one um, person over the other uh, for no good reason. At the same time, uh, he is very compassionate to all these living entities. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, he takes the opportunity of manifesting himself in different forms to uh, help the living entities. Uh, so we see that in the uh, form of uh, Kurma, for instance, he helped the devatas and even helped the demons because he supported the Mandara mountain, which was used to uh, produce the nectar. And that was the desire of the demons and the devotees. So uh, he helped them. And he took that particular form. Or as Varaha, he uh, saved the whole Bhumandala so the living entities could survive and uh, prosper. Or as Matsya, uh, uh, he saved the uh, Vedas so that uh, uh, transcendental knowledge could be uh, continued. Uh, uh, or as uh, Parsaram, for instance, he uh, killed all the evil Kshatriyas. Uh, uh, or same with Kalki at the end of the Kali Yuga, he destroys all of the uh, demons so, and protects the devotees. So therefore the uh, Lord is not indifferent to the uh, jivas in this material world and at certain times he personally appears to help them out. At other times he does this through devotees. When he is not personally appearing as avatar, the Lord manifests his power through devotees. And therefore, the devotees are also uh, glorified in uh, these verses of uh, Akura. And it's through the devotee that uh, a lot of the mercy of the Lord is manifested in this material world. Hmm? So the Lord can directly do that, and he does so when he comes as avatar. And when he's not here, then the general process is he acts through devotees. So the Lord is not personally there, but the devotees are there. So the Lord's uh, Shakti operates, his Kripa Shakti operates through the devotees. Uh, so the, uh, we cannot say that, well, the Lord only appears once every yuga, so therefore what happens in the meantime, uh, for the thousands and thousands of years, there's no one. But the devotees are there. So the Lord acts through the devotees, and uh, this is... Uh, and that is why the devotee is worshipped like God, huh? Sakshadhari. Huh? He, he is, uh, has a position like the Supreme Lord uh, because he has the powers of the Supreme Lord, the Lord's mercy, which is the most important part of the Lord. Uh, so, though the Lord is the impartial witness uh, through the devotees of the Lord, he manifests mercy. Wow. But we know that that mercy also of the devotees uh, is, it, uh, is very particular. Of course, we say the devotee is like the rain cloud, and the rain cloud does not discriminate between dry land, wet land, rocky land, sandy land, whatever. But the mercy only manifests 
in certain places on fertile ground and then we get the seeds sprouting up. Uh, so uh, though the devotees are all merciful, their mercy manifests for certain persons, that is those who are ready for devotional service, so they are fertile and then the uh, bhakti lata is planted and sprouts. So uh, the devotees are also compassionate like the Lord, nevertheless the compassion also manifests particularly for those who are qualified with faith. So he's compassionate to everyone, but the compassion doesn't manifest directly for other persons. So we cannot say that the devotee is therefore not compassionate towards all living entities, but some living entities are not ready for that compassion. So therefore the devotee concentrates on those who have faith and he develops their faith and uh, they can practice bhakti. So, therefore, uh, uh, compassion, the, the Lord is all compassion that's manifested to the devotees, but it manifests uh, particularly for those who are qualified with Shraddha and those who have uh, Bhakti. And then we get great manifestation. Huh? Uh, so, uh, of course, that is stated by the Lord himself. Uh, I am Sama, but I am particularly attracted to the devotees. So the mercy particularly manifests uh, to the devotees and also by the devotees. Uh, so the devotees in the material world are those who get special mercy of the Supreme Lord and he's therefore no longer Sama. Well, he's not equal to everyone uh, because he does give mercy through to the devotees. But how does he do it? He does it through other devotees. <laughs> Unless he's directly there as avatar. So he, he does it through the devotees. And thus, the devotees are very important for the uh, plan of the Lord. They're very, uh, they're integral to the material world and to the plan of the material world. So the Lord's plan is to deliver the jivas. And part of that plan is the devotees. So they act as the uh, say the mediums or the conductors of the Lord's mercy like a uh, wire hmm? uh, so a light bulb is there a generator is there and then we need a wire to connect the uh, generator to the uh, light bulb and then the electricity can flow through it huh? and if the wire is not there no light no no flow But at the same time, uh, some things do not conduct the electricity. So iron wire or wood wire or glass wire will not conduct electricity. <laughs> huh? hmm? But copper wire does. Huh? And of course, if we have money, we could have silver wire. That's a very good conductor. Or we can have gold wire. Very, very good conductor. Best conductor, I think. Huh? Hmm? But very expensive. Huh? So similarly, all jivas are capable in one sense, but certain ones are more capable. So the devotees in general are like the copper wire and they can conduct the uh, mercy of the Supreme Lord very nicely. And there's some great devotees like the gold wires. They can do great mercy. So we have those who are in prema. They have very special mercy, very powerful mercy so that they can deliver a jiva and give them prema. 
So we get uh, persons like Narada Muni, for instance, that he can give bhava or prema very quickly, almost immediately to jivas, huh? uh, because uh, of his position. So that's like the gold wire, and the, the, the mercy comes through very, very strongly. But even for the less advanced jivas, they are like the copper wires and they can deliver the mercy of the Lord also. And that is sufficient in most cases. Just as we don't have gold wires everywhere, we have copper wires and that's sufficient to give us enough light and electricity for things. So therefore the, the devotees are glorified. So not just the highest devotees, but all the devotees. And particularly those who are practicing pure bhakti, those who are um, like a nishta stage or whatever, they are uh, glorified as, as great devotees because they can conduct the mercy of the Lord very nicely to the people in the material world. So this is also uh, mercy of the Lord. Uh, he doesn't demand that I can, I only will deliver that mercy or only the uh, devotees in Prema can deliver mercy. He doesn't say that either. He said, okay, all the devotees can deliver mercy to some degree. And of course, the purer they are, the more advanced they are, the more the mercy flows. Uh, so that is also the mercy of the Lord that he allows various jivas to, uh, various devotees who are jivas to uh, act as the uh, mediums of his mercy in this material world. And he does not even control the jiva and say, tell the devotee, you have to give mercy here, but don't give there. He doesn't do that either. He lets the jiva decide, the devotee can decide of what he wants to do with his mercy, how he wants to distribute bhakti, etc. Uh, but of course, we also have guidelines. Hmm? So we have uh, instructions, uh, how we give up mercy. Don't preach to the faithless persons. Don't preach to the envious people in Bhagavad Gita, last chapter. Uh, it says, don't give the Bhagavad Gita knowledge to the envious people, people without faith. So there are some general instructions given in the scriptures on how we distribute mercy. Huh? At the same time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is very merciful and he likes to give out mercy to unqualified people also. So we see that he delivered Jagai and Madai who were actually great aparadis huh? because they committed the worst aparads, that is uh, violence against the Lord himself in the form of Nityananda and his devotee Haridas. So, uh, great aparadis, but nevertheless, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very merciful even to the aparadis. Huh? So, Lord Chaitanya is kind of an exception to all of this, uh, that he, even to the unqualified people, Lord Chaitanya likes to give mercy. But, the method in general for that is Nam Sankirtan. That is the method by, we, by which we give mercy to the faithless persons. So, we let them hear the name. Huh? So that is, uh, in other words, all devotees can do that. They can tell everyone, chant Hare Krishna, let them hear the holy name. That's very easy to do. Huh? But we have to be a little more clever and skillful if we want to preach, because we have to see if the person is ready and he has faith. Then we can give some instruction. But the instruction also has to be proper instruction, according to the level of the person. So, therefore, the devotee also has to get some knowledge and have some expertise in seeing uh, just what is uh, necessary for a particular person at a particular stage. Just like the doctor, he can give medicines, but uh, 
the, a, a skillful doctor will give the med proper medicine at the proper time and when the patient is ready for it and some medicines are too strong he cannot give to certain persons and when they get stronger he can give them that medicine huh? and you may change the medicines later on also uh, according to the uh, progress of the patient huh? so uh, the, the devotee also has to be skillful like that in uh, giving the uh, proper uh, instructions at the proper time to the person but fortunately the, the medicine is very simple <laughs> The same medicine continues all the way through. Uh -huh. Bhakti and Harinam is a medicine for everybody. And it goes all the way through, the main medicine. Huh? So we don't have to think of new medicines or anything like that. Huh? But the instructions that go along with that may be various according to the various levels of the persons. Huh? So uh, in this way the, uh, the devotees have to have some knowledge and some skill in uh, delivering the uh, message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the people. But nevertheless, uh, it can go to all people. Uh, that is the special mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So though all the forms of the Lord are merciful, very merciful, those are Bhagavan, uh, Lord Chaitanya is especially merciful. Uh, just as Krishna is merciful, but Radha is even more merciful. So we pray to Radha to get the mercy of Krishna because she's most merciful. The devotee is more merciful than the Lord himself. Huh? Uh, so uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Lord, but he's also the devotee of the Lord. He's also Radha. So he is also the most merciful form of the Lord because he's like Radha, more merciful than Krishna. Uh, so, uh, therefore, uh, though all the forms of the Lord are merciful, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has this special quality of mercy, uh, which does not see obstacles at all and doesn't even see aparad and tries to deliver everyone in this material world. Huh? So, in this way, the Lord is not at all impartial or indifferent. And he definitely is impartial to the general jivas in the material world. He witnesses everything and he does not interfere. But, uh, he is always compassionate, and that compassion is illustrated by coming as these avatars, by uh, placing devotees in the material world at all times to help the jivas. Uh, and of course, he also has special devotees there. So we have devatas on one hand, and we have manus and their descendants uh, to spread dharma and bhakti. And we get uh, other special devotees coming as well, like Narada Muni and others, uh, to uh, spread bhakti. So uh, the Lord, in this way, illustrates great compassion uh, for the uh, jivas. And then we get the special compassion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, so Akura, he recognizes uh, the Lord's position, and a lot of his prayer here is to show how He's in control of this material world, and he's the deliverer of everyone from the material world. Uh, so he, once he uh, uh, recognizes his greatness, and he associates this Lord with Krishna, because he calls him the son of Vasudeva, etc. So he understands that Krishna, who's sitting in the chariot with Balaram, is actually the Supreme Lord. Huh? But he's taken this form of Vishnu with uh, Shesha here, and he's offering his uh, prayers and praise to this particular form. Uh, so 
praising the greatness of the Lord is quite appropriate to this form that he sees in the water, quite natural for him also, because this is the normal form that uh, uh, persons like Akur uh, can appreciate. They appreciate the power of the Lord and how he is controlling material nature, etc., and uh, delivering the jivas. But at the same time, this powerful form is non-different from the Krishna who was sitting with Balaram in the chariot. So uh, it's not all power and uh, creative potency, etc. Uh, uh, he also recognized that this particular Vishnu form is an aspect of Krishna. And Krishna is that uh, young boy, young cowherd boy, uh, going to Mathura. Uh, so uh, the uh, form of Krishna is mixed to some degree with this idea of the uh, Lord's greatness, etc. Uh, and that's why he offers prayers in this way. And of course, Krishna himself manifested this particular form too. Uh, Akura, understanding the level of consciousness of Akura, that he was, uh, he had some understanding of Krishna, but also as Supreme Lord, powerful Supreme Lord. Uh, so he offers his respects and asks for his protection and uh, surrender, he surrenders to him. Uh, to come to his lotus feet. Uh, so this is a prayer which is, and the vision, which is quite different from the prayers of people in Vrindavan. They do not pray to Krishna in this way. They do not have visions of Krishna like this with the Anantashesha, lying on Anantashesha, etc. But we see with uh, uh, Akur, quite natural. So Akur was astonished because not because Vishnu was astonishing in a sense, because he knows who Vishnu is, but he was astonished that Krishna manifested this form, this other form in the water, and simultaneously Krishna and Balaram were sitting in the chariot. That was the astonishing thing. But by this he appreciated that Krishna and Balaram are non-different from Vishnu and Anantashesha. So his realization is somewhat different from that of the people of Vrindavan. Uh, it's mixed with reverence and idea that Krishna is supreme lord and the creator of the material world, etc. Uh, but still, uh, not devoid of mercy and sweetness. What does we see here? No, this Okura is explaining about this divine incarnation of the Lord, and he is maintaining, maintaining. He is explaining like the same, like whatever Jayadev Goswami said. There is a pattern. Who will come after whom? So, does it maintain always the same in that that pattern? Who will come after whom? Ah, well, there is this, uh, more or less fixed uh, avatars in certain. Manvantara periods. So a lot of these Manvantara in the Swayambhuva Manvantara, a lot of those mentioned in the Bhagavatam in the first canto appear within that period. So, uh, and of course some of them appear very early and they, they stay throughout the whole of Brahma's life like Narada and Kumara. So they appear in the first day of Brahma at the very beginning when Brahma's born and then he creates. So Narada and Kumaras appear. So they stay throughout the whole of Brahma's life. And then we get uh, uh, kurma, matsya, varaha, etc. 
they all appear within the that Swayambhuva Manvantar, first period of Brahma's day. Hmm? And then we get Narayan and others also. Huh? And then when we get to the uh, I think fourth Manvantara, we get Hari, who is uh, uh, the uh, incarnation who manifested uh, to um, Gajendra. And then we get to the sixth manvantara, which is just before the Vaivasata manvantara, Chakshusha manvantara, and we get Nishamadev and uh, the uh, Kurma, Ajita, uh, involved in uh, Mohini Avatar, Danvantari, all involved in the churning of the Milky Ocean. Huh? That's in Chakshusha manvantara. And at the end of that, we get Matsya Avatar appearing after the flood. That time Pushram also there. Pushram. Prashuram, Prashuram. Prashuram also did the same thing. Yeah. Parsharam comes in the uh, Vaivasata Manvantara, I think, uh, wet period, 23rd? No. Uh, 21st, I think, 21st cycle. Kala, uh, cycle. Vamana appears near the beginning of Vaivasata Manvantara, and then Parsharam appears, and then Rama appears, 24th cycle, and 28th cycle, of Vaivasata Manvantara, we get Krishna, Balaram, uh, and then in Kali Yuga, we get Buddha and Kalki, etc. And Vyasadeva also appears in that period. So uh, these are all fixed in certain periods of the day of Brahma. Huh? So Krishna, etc., in Vaivasata Manvantara, uh, Nirshirmadeva in Chakshusha Manvantara, the sixth Manvantara. And a lot of them appear as in the first Manvantara, Swayambhuva Manvantara. Because you want to say that Pushuram, he killed so many Kshatriyas, 21 times he freed the earth from the Kshatriya. But we see, although no, Pushuram met with uh, Ravana, but he didn't kill Ravana. Even he helped sometime, you know, when uh, Hasrojana, uh, you know, confined him in, the, in, in his own prison, he helped to come out. But he didn't kill Ravana. At that time also Ravana was completely, you know, uh, he, he was uh, Asura. But he didn't do it. I don't know why. But except, except Ravana, he killed all the Kshatriyas. Hmm. Well, um, Parasharam is also a Shaktavesh avatar, so he does not have the same powers as Rama. So he's less powerful because of that. So that could be one reason. Another, of course, is the will of the Supreme Lord is he wanted Rama to illustrate his power, so therefore he allowed Rama to kill him instead. Another question like Munasi C is here, you know, you're explaining that the devotees are more merciful than even the Lord. Because that sometimes you know they don't discriminate who is qualified, who is not qualified to get the mercy of the Lord. Okay. Sometimes even they commit mistake also there while distributing the holy name or instruction of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, for that also, sometimes devotees get suffering. Ah, well, if they make mistakes and they, they give to unqualified people, that is preaching to the faithless, then they have to recognize the mistake and, you know, remedy it somehow or other. They are doing out of, out of compassion, they are doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still, they can make mistakes, so they should rectify the mistakes if possible. Then they don't get such bad reaction. <laughs> 